यू मे लिव लॉन्गर बट नॉट बी हेल्दी बट इट्स वेरी डिफिकल्ट टू बी हेल्दी एंड नॉट लिव लॉन्गर राकेश भैया इंडिविजुअली रेड मोर देन ऑल एट ऑफ अस पुट टूगेदर एवरी सिंगल Hey my dear listeners welcome back we are here with yet another inspirer joining us today to share his life journey life story we have with us prashant desai a multifaceted individual who had his trust with so many things had worked with uh, india incorp had the opportunity to be an entrepreneur turned out to be an author now on a different path of being a biohacker it's an absolute joy and uh, my privilege to have uh, prashant desai on inspire someone today How are you doing today, Prashant? Hey, Shrikant. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, really looking forward to interacting with you and through you with your listeners as well. So, thank you for this. So, here we are to discuss Prashant, his life journey, and his uh, quest in particular on a very interesting subject that uh, the global mankind is looking for: longevity of human species. How does this all begin, Prashant? What does science have to say about longevity? Can this be achieved naturally? What are the pros cons of uh, somebody going down this path? So interesting, right? Uh, I think for me, longevity is is an academic definition, if I can say of sort. But uh, personally speaking, it is. I am very deeply personally uh, impacted by uh, by this, and I'll tell you why and how. So you know, I lost my father when I was seven years old. He was thirty seven. and as you would probably relate or understand if i look back at my life uh, some of the toughest moments of my life the most cruel moments of my life whether it was growing up with abject poverty where you know it was tough to even get two meals a day and seeing others doing well and the yuck feeling you get when you are poor growing up two times when you wanted a shoulder to you know lean on to cry on you wanted somebody to show you the path and the person or it was not present your father who you genuinely look up to uh, and i as i look into my life all the bad moments of my life or bad memories of my life are associated with kind of not having father in my life and death to a certain extent when it comes very early it's, it it became very personal to me growing up such was its impact on me shrikant that you know i thought i will also not be there for my daughter i will die very early i used to have lot of nightmares about dying early and uh, it was around 34 35 that these nightmares began to kind of dissipate uh, and as luck would have it on 27 february 2014 i lost my brother at the age of 35 and it was like life was you know replaying the same sad story for me i got very angry with death i was anyways very angry with death i became even more angrier with death and uh, from then i have been trying to search for a way uh, not to die early which is how you define longevity longevity is basically adding years to your life and that quest to search for a method through which you can live longer uh, got me deeply into this subject and during covid i came across uh, 
this term called longevity escape velocity, which essentially means that a time in future where for every year you live, science and technology will add one more year to your life. Just to you can break it up for your uh, listeners, longevity encompasses two things. Longevity is increasing your lifespan and increasing your life health span. It's both. So it's increasing the number of years in your life, increasing the life in those years. So it's not unidimensional. It is two-dimensional. So it has both health span and lifespan. And hence, a lot of people look at longevity as anti-aging, which is where it gets its bad rap from. But to me, when I when I talk of longevity and I say I am a biohacker, the idea is not just to live longer, but to live longer, younger, healthier, disease-free, with physical mobility, cognition, emotional health, all put together. From that perspective is how and why I got massively interested in this space. Globally now, this is a, a one of the biggest fields that is emerging because uh, something very interesting happened uh, somewhere around 2005-2010 in that zone. The whole world of scientific researchers who who study the biology of aging, they are called geroscientists, they started at looking at you know longevity or aging very differently. And they started coining that aging is a disease. And it was very path-breaking. And why? Uh, the academic definition of disease is something that if it covers less than 50% of the population, it is called as disease. But because aging is something that kind of covers the entire population, the world of science never show or never considered aging as a disease. Now look at it. When I reframe, and if I look at aging as a disease, Suddenly, if it is a disease, you can do something to slow it down. You can do something to prevent it. You can do something to cure it. You can do something to treat it. And that's where in 2005, 2010, a lot of work happened, not just towards understanding why we humans age, but why we don't have to age. And today, the world has progressed significantly faster. Now, there are clocks through which you can measure your age. And when we talk of age, we talk of two ages. What is what we call as the chronological age, which is your age on your passport or your driving license or Aadhaar card. And second is what we call as the biological age. Biological age is your age from within. Most of us will know, are we aging faster or are we aging slower? You know somewhere looking at yourself, are you healthy? Are you not? We all try to avoid this, but somewhere subconsciously we know this. But now there are clocks which have been designed where you can scientifically measure what your age is from within. So let me give you an example. Uh, about two years back, I measured my biological age when I was in US and my age came 54. At that time, I was 49 years. So my chronological age was 49. But my age from within was 54, okay? In India, your average life expectancy is 69 years or say 70 years, right? Assuming I am an average human who will die at 70. If my biological age is 54, it means I have 16 years left, which means my chronological age was 49. So I will definitely die at 65. But that's not one thing. Now that I know that my biological age is 54, now I can do something about it. Now, there are ways you asked a question is, can longevity be something that can be, you know, can I reverse it, slow it down naturally? Answer is yes and no. 80% of this can be done naturally. 20% you will need external or what I call is supplemental support. 
supplements and stuff like that. And I was, I went on that protocol for now two years. Last September, I was again in US, almost 19, 20 months after having implemented the protocol. And I got myself retested. My biological age had come down from 54 to 37. Wow. Okay. So now mm-hmm. if I put the same mathematics in place, that if I will die at 70, because that's your life expectancy, but from within I am 37, I have another 33 more years, which means if I am 50 today, chances are I may live up to 83. So the world has moved ahead and there is, you know, we all keep saying right time, right place. I just feel the whole world of longevity, geroscience is now uh, gathering speed at the right time, at the right place. And is it, it is being backed by a lot of marketing dollars. I am a big capitalist at heart sticker. And I just feel that until large capital comes, you will not be able to solve big problems of the world. And I think there is no bigger problem of the world than aging. Because there is not a single disease that does not come when you age. You slow down aging, all disease will get pushed back by decade. Number one cause of death, heart disease, is an aging-related disease. Cancer, aging-related disease. Neurodegenerative, Alzheimer, Parkinson's, dementia, aging-related disease. So it's brilliant, right? If I just focus on one disease called aging, and if I can do something about it, I win our all other horsemen. Of so that's how I kind of got uh, massively interested and now on a path to, to try and see if I can uh, live longer, but younger, healthier, disease-free, and show death the middle finger. Super start, Prashant. I very, very intrigued with everything that you have stated here. I, I think I loved two of the things that you mentioned about here. It is lifespan and health span. It's just not one dimension, but two dimension, which also kind of makes uh, one to kind of think about the negative impact of something like this. While everything that you said makes a lot more sense is so optimistic uh, outlook out there. But is there a tendency of having focus on some of this stuff, the whole debate versus quantity versus quality. Yeah, you may want to extend the lifespan. You did mention it's just not about adding years to the life, but it's also healthy. But you're also going against the natural phenomenon, against nature. So just talk us through the quality versus quantity bit of this. Absolutely true. And it's a a great question, Shrikant, right? And a lot of people confuse this when I, when I, do my shows and when I go to corporates to speak. And I I keep impressing upon this, that if I have to choose one, for example, I will always choose health span over lifespan. So every time I start my talk, I ask uh, people, how many of you want to live 100 plus? And maybe three people, five people will put up their hand. Majority of the audience doesn't want to live longer. Okay. And hence, you call somebody to the stage and push them further. Why is it that you don't want to live longer, right? Because the greatest gift is life itself. You know, in our olden days, where we would touch the feet of our uh, elders, they would say, Jug Jug Jio. One Jug is 4.3 million years. And yet today, we don't want to live longer. And when I ask them why, invariably, most people's answer comes in that zone, that as you live longer or as you age, you lose your health. They look at old age with hospitalization, with you know, uh, strings inside your nose, with wheelchair, with diseases, diabetes. Old age is so much reflected with unhealthiness that people are scared not to think of the medical bills, right? And in this today's world, given the amount we eat and all of that, your medical bills uh, towards the later part of your life. So 
old age is suddenly seen as a demon, a Ravana. And I, I keep asking, but what if I give you the gift of life with health? Suddenly, almost 100% of the people want to put. But look at it. You may live longer and not be healthy. Hear me again. You may live longer, but not be healthy. But it's very difficult to be healthy and not live longer. So if you focus on health span, what are we trying to do? It's your diseases will get pushed back by decades. You will live longer, but you will live longer uh, with a lot of vitality, with a lot of energy. Uh, and it's not impossible at the same time. It is not easy. For all the listeners who are listening to your podcast today, Shrikant, I can guarantee not more than 2 to 3% people will, will live longer with health spent. Why? Because if I want to achieve almost the impossible, which is at 90, I so I have a list of things I want to do in my last decade. I call it as my marginal decade. And I am a half marathoner. One of my wish is that at the age of 90, I want to run a half marathon. But not just run. I want to complete a half marathon in three hours. Okay? Now, here is where the tough part comes. If I have to run a half marathon in three hours at the age of 90, Scientifically speaking, I will need something called as something called as VO2 max of about 30. Okay. VO2 max is volume of oxygen that reaches my muscle when I am running. And I need that 30. Okay. At 90. Today, my VO2 max is 37, 38. Okay. Your VO2 max declines by 13 to 15% every decade. By the time I am 90, if my current VO2 max is 37, it will become 15 or 16. There is no way, Prashant, this I can run a half marathon at 90. But if I want to run a half marathon at 90, I need 30. Putting that same math, 13 to 15% reduction per decade, I need a VO2 max today of 50. So now Prashant is training in the year 2023 to take his VO2 max from 37 to 50. This includes cardio, this includes high intensity training, all of that. Very few people will be able to do it. At the age of 90, VO2 max of 30, I will be amongst world's 0.5% of the population of that age, which is a VO2 max of 30. So it's not difficult, but it's not easy. You will have to put in the nine yards today. So in the quantity versus quality debate, I am very clear, though I don't believe in God, that if I have to choose I will choose health span over lifespan because if I choose health span, I know I will get my lifespan. Excellent. That's a nice uh, little segue to what I wanted to call out as the work of David Sinclair. You did mention about his work, his uh, book on lifespan, right? And some of the pieces that's also doing the rounds in the whole longevity uh, program or longevity focus is about the longevity genes, about the reversing of the aging process. Uh, impact of calorie restriction, all of that is what even uh, David Sinclair's books talk about. Are these some of the elements that people need to look into as they focus on enhancing the health span? So I will answer to that, Shrikant, by saying yes. But I, before I get into that, I want to tell you one thing. One very interesting thing that I learned in my life is all behavior is belief-driven. Believe you can, believe you can't. Either ways, you are right. Henry Ford said that, right? Why am I precursing this? If you really believe that you want to live longer or you can live longer and healthier, younger, disease-free, then it is imperative 
that you understand the science. Because what the science does to me, it strengthens my belief system. If my belief systems are stronger, my behavior automatically changes. So what is Dr. Sinclair's philosophy? Just to give your listeners an, a, a, a precursor to that, Dr. David Sinclair is the dean of uh, gerontology at Harvard. He's dedicated his entire life to studying a set of longevity genes called sirtuins. Okay? And uh, I was telling you about 2005, 2010, when this whole geroscience space kind of got a big flip. Before that, you know, all scientists who were in this field were you know, though they were working on aging, but they were killing each other, trying to say who is right, who is wrong. Till that time came and they all agreed on nine hallmarks of aging. And they kind of cut this into a pizza slice, giving each of these equal weightage. Dr. David Sinclair, who was at that time studying sirtuins, which is part of one of the hallmarks called epigenetic reprogramming, to which I will come in a minute. When he did more work, he realized that behind all these nine slices of pizza or nine hallmarks of aging, there is one thing which is common. And that is the sirtuins and the role these sirtuins play. And he has since then written this book called Lifespan, explaining the process. So what does he say? He's saying that if you look at our human body, we are made up of trillions of cells. Okay, When we were in our mother womb, when the sperm and the egg met, one embryotic cell took birth. And then it kept multiplying, dividing. Nine months, lo and behold, a baby is born. Okay, But if you go back, our human body is made up of trillions and trillions and trillions of cells. Each of these cells have our DNA. Okay, Our DNA is like your binary code. It's digital in nature and it consists of four letters A, T, C and G. Okay, We get 3.2 billion letters from our mom and 3.2 billion letters from our dad. Every cell in our body has 6.4 billion letters. Okay, If I Put this 6.4 billion letters in a straight line. It will be 6 feet tall inside one cell. Okay, Entire body's DNA, if I put it in a straight line, it goes to the moon and comes back 8 times. That much DNA is in every human body. Okay, Now imagine one cell. We have trillions of cells. How is the cell storing this DNA? It can't store it in a straight line. So it very carefully pools this DNA. This pooling of DNA is storing the digital information very similar to the DVD players that we had, if you remember in olden days. Songs were there in the DVD system. So think of your DNA as the digital information on the CD. But it's binary. It's ATCG. The DVD on its own cannot play the song. DNA on its own is just a set of instruction. It cannot do. It needs a reader. So have you ever wondered when all cells are same, and every cell is the same genetic information. How does one cell go on to become eye? One cell go on to become skin? One cell goes on to become hair? One cell goes on to become nail? Identical information. That role, the reading of the DNA or the DVD is played by something called as epigenome. Epigenome means above. Epi means above. It sits above the genome and its role is when the DNA was pooled that 6.4 billion letters, Mother Nature spooled it in a way that it kept some genes on and some genes off. Epigenome reads which genes are on and which genes are off. By reading which genes are on and which genes are off, it tells the cell, hey, you cell, go and become I. Not only will you become I, but will you, you will also remain I for the next 100 years. Why? 
Because tomorrow, if it loses this instruction, and instead of I, that cell becomes hair. Just imagine what will happen to your eye. There'll only be hair. Ever seen a lot of people as they old, they get a lot of hair in their ear. That is genetic instructions going wrong. The cell which was supposed to remain skin has become hair. And hence you are growing more hair when you are supposed to grow skin. So you have DVD, which is basically the DNA or the genetic information digital. Epigenome, which reads this information like a DVD player. If you look at a DVD player, when you bought a new DVD player, it was playing the songs beautifully. Then what happened? Slowly, the DVD started getting some scratches. Those scratches are the noise. So when there is a very small scratch, nothing happens. From the time we are born, we start damaging our DNA or the DVD. Every time you go and damage the DNA, you know somebody has to come and do the cleaning up process. But these scratches that we develop over a period of time is nothing but aging. So DVD is your DNA, digital information. DVD player is your epigenome. And the scratches on the DVD is nothing but aging. If you have more scratches when you are 30 year old, your biological age like mine is 54. If you have lesser scratches, your biological age is what my biological age is today, which is 37. However, mother nature also created a set of genes through which you can polish these scratches. Those are the genes Dr. David Sinclair works with called sirtuins. Sirtuins essentially play two roles. First role is they have to keep reproducing as we keep growing because the role is to go and repair the DNA. So either they are idle and reproducing or they go and polish the scratch that you and I would have done. Now, here is what happens. When you keep giving more scratches, your sirtuins have to go and keep polishing them. The more time they spend polishing, the less time they are spending multiplying. As we age, we are burning candles at both ends. At a time when we don't more sirtuins to polish, we don't have enough sirtuins because they are spending more time cleaning up the thing. So Dr. David Sinclair said uh, in his book, Lifespan, that we have three sets of longevity genes. His work is on sirtuins. We have two more longevity genes called mTOR, which is mammalian target of rapamycin. And we have another set of sirtuin, uh, another set of longevity genes called AMP kinase, AMPK. Uh, these three genes work in tandem and play a very big role in determining whether from inside our biological age process is growing faster or it's growing lower. And he says, this sirtuins, I can increase the number of sirtuins which I want and I can increase the polishing process. 80% of this is in our hands. So he's an absolute rock star. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, if you've read the book, you know what I say. For starters, what are some of those or easy to do biohacks that people can look into and kickstart the whole process? Perfect. So how do we ensure, and it's a great question again, Shikan, how do we ensure that the sirtuins, the mTORs and the AMPK uh, do a lot more work for you? And trust me, what I'm going to share with you is so, 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 so simple, but not easy. So the first thing, so essentially, let's again take a step back, zoom out. All these three genes 
work hard for you when they perceive there is an internal threat. So whenever the body thinks inside it is in threat, body has, mother nature has given us such great inbuilt mechanism to work hard to, to survive because body doesn't want to die, right? So let's look at first thing that you can do is eat less often. We are evolutionary been built that whenever you are starving, because in olden times, there wasn't food available 24-7. So the body was used to starving. To starve, body had to build an ill-built mechanism. So every time body starves or creates adversity inside, the number of sirtuins get multiplied. Why? Because the sirtuins knows at some point of time, I will have to go and polish the DVD. So when you eat less often, you are creating adversity within you. If you create adversity within you, number of sirtuins will go up. There is another gene I called mTOR. mTOR is nothing but a protein sensor, right? Our body is made up of proteins, proteins, and more proteins, amino acids. All proteins come from amino acids. They are building blocks. Whenever you eat less, the body is forced to recycle the proteins. mTOR, you want less. Less mTOR body has to work even more harder to ensure that the protein gets regenerated. Great news. AMPK is a sugar or a glucose sensor. Our body's preferred source of energy is glucose. Whenever body sees there is less glucose, AMPK has to convert the fat into glucose. All our extra food that we eat often gets converted into fat. But when I have less food, when I am starving, AMPK will get activated and it will convert that fat into energy. So, to answer your question, first thing, eat less often. Try and eat two meals, maximum three meals a day. Don't snack. Don't eat refined carbs. Don't eat maida, sugar. They are not creating adversity. They are creating abundance of glucose. So your AMPK will say, Are, how does it matter? Srikant has given me one diet cook or one coke just now. Srikant just ate a cookie. Srikant just had a piece of toast. Are, there is enough sugar in the system. Why should I work out? So that's the first thing. Eat less often. Second, if I tell you, it will blow people's mind. Trust me from this podcast, if they don't take anything, just sleep more. Do you know sleep is the biggest longevity biohack? ever invent. And you must be thinking, are you joking? And I come across people who say, sleep is the most useless thing ever invent. I'll sleep when I die. No, my friend, you will die if you don't sleep. Have you ever thought, we are an evolutionary organization, right? Uh, organism. We've evolved from one cell to multiple cell to now humans. We evolved from bacteria to cells to ocean life to plant life to animal life to human life. If there is one thing which is evolutionary remained a constant, anything that is living, including plants, they sleep. Three billion years of evolution has not been able to change this fact. Think, why does Mother Nature think one third of your life you must sleep? And every night you must. Kuch to reason hoga, right, Shikan? Why? Because when you are sleeping, body's mechanism to fight, to get rid of all the junk. Junk, I'm not talking in terms of food. 
all the toxicity gets cleaned up. When you sleep, your body can deal with trauma. If you've had a very bad trauma and you don't sleep, you will keep getting nightmares. If you have had a bad trauma and you sleep well, nightmares disappear. Body's inbuilt mechanism to fight trauma. Brain, the most important of human organ, it's 2% of body weight, but consumes 20% of energy. Brain cleans all the toxins out only when we sleep. So if you don't sleep, if you don't sleep, your levels of sirtuins will come down, mTORs will increase, which is a bad thing. AMPK will come down. And a lot of people, let me define what good quality sleep is. There is a scientific definition of sleep. Sleep is eight hours and it captures three elements. Quantity, quality and consistency. Eight hours of sleep with a fixed wake-up time and a fixed go-to-bed time. Quality of sleep. 25% of your sleep should be REM sleep and deep sleep. REM sleep is when we dream. We sleep in 90-minute cycles. And number three, consistency. Just because you sleep five days well, come weekend and I will not sleep, it takes away all the benefits. The second thing you need to do is sleep. Third, most important. And there is nothing more important than the third one. In nutrition, after you correct your nutrition, your ROI is zero. What more can you do? It's the same in sleep. Once you learn how to sleep eight hours, then incremental ROI is zero. There is only one thing where your incremental ROI is infinite. And that is exercise. Exercise creates adversity in your body. When you go for your run, when you lift weights, inside the muscles are breaking adversity. Muscles have to repair. What happens when you have to repair? More sirtuins. Protein is needed to build muscles. When it comes to muscle, we talk of muscle mass, muscle strength, muscle power. I'll give you one statistic that will blow your mind. If you are over the age of 65 and you've had a fall and you either break your hip or a femur, you have a 70% chance that you will die in next 12 months. Such is the importance of muscle. You asked that question right in the beginning. Quantity versus quality. Health span versus lifespan. The only single most determinant of health span is muscle. Muscle will protect your bones. If you do not have stronger bones, you will not be able to stand straight. Bend spine, wheelchair, you fall, fracture, you will become frail. So third thing is exercise. Within exercise, lift weights, lift weights, lift weights, eat protein. And last, which is my most favorite, Spend time with your friends and family. Be happy. Community. Very important for longevity. What's the point of living longer if you don't have anybody to speak with, if you are not happy? So ensure that you spend great quality time with your friends, with your family, whoever, whoever they matter. One of my life current objective is to make friends with people who are 25 years. Why? Because I believe I am 50 if they are 25. When I am 100, they will be 75. If I am able to live till 100 and if I am, you know, healthy, I want to talk to people, right? That time, how many 100-year-old will I search for? 
I need 75 year olds. So your friendship is extremely, extremely important. And lastly, have a purpose in life. Otherwise, you will not want to live long. Purpose is the single biggest determinant of longevity. When people lose purpose in life, they lose the need and the will to live. The body gives up. So five, six things you can do. So wonderfully put, I think what you have done in the process is given a scientific backing for each of this. We have always heard about eat less, sleep more, exercise, have a purpose, build relationship. Now you're given a reason why it matters. And if you want to be healthy, if you want to live long, these are the five little steps, five easy steps to do. But lot many times we kind of take it for granted and not put our attention and focus to this. And I'm so, so happy to say that there were instances during the course of these podcasts that we, where we had guests come and speak about that. You're only stre- strengthening that argument saying that why sleep is important, why you got to eat less. And recently Harvard came out of, uh, came up with this particular book called It's a Good Life, which kind of goes back to your last point of building relationship. It was a 85 year old study that is still going on, which basically says the reason to build a good life or one of the under, underpinning reason to have a good life is good relationships. Wonderful. Prashant, we can go on on this. This is very, very intriguing, but I know we have a lot more to kind of uh, cover along the way. I will not be doing justice if I don't touch upon other elements of it as well. But I definitely see this as a two or three part series rather than just <laughs> one part series. So I will kind of try to not touch upon some elements of it. Prashant definitely would want to do one more episode with you so that I don't want the messages to be mixed back for the audience as well. So if you're okay with that, I'll just focus on uh, this particular episode and some of the other elements that I would want to discuss. But keep your uh, entrepreneurial journey maybe for the next episode uh, if you're okay with that. Of course, of course. It will be an honor and a privilege. Super. Great. So we are having this wonderful conversation with Prashant talking about uh, lifespan, health span, what are some of the little things uh, that each one of us can do. We will slip into the other side of this conversation to get to see the other side of Prashant. What we call this as the power of three round. Prashant, in this section, I have a series of questions to you and expect three sharp answers for each of these questions. If we are ready, we will do the power of three round. The first of the power of three round, Prashant, is what are three routines that is unique to Prashant? Unique or no, I don't know, but very few people I would want to believe do these things. Uh, one, I, I told you, right, I eat only two meals a day. I fast for 18 hours. So I think it's a routine that is now a part of me. Second, though I am a righty, I do a lot of things with my left hand. So I brush with left hand, I eat with left hand. I try to use a lot of my left hand because, uh, because I'm a trained uh, reader. You know, if you want to read books to remember, you need to activate the right side of your brain. And uh, our, if there is a mind-body connection, there is a body-mind connection. So when you use your left hand or your left-hand side of the body, your right-hand side of the brain gets activated, which is creativity, which is uh, visual. And hence, uh, so I try to deliberately use a lot of my left hand. And uh, third uh, interesting routine I have, which I briefly touched upon as well is, I like to read four or five books at a time so that uh, I take my time. So today also when I will be, uh, you know, sitting in my bed or uh, on my couch and reading, 
you will see I left three books. I will read one, then move to the other, move to the other. So these are three of my favorite uh, routines. Unique or routines. not, I leave it to you. <laughs> Interesting. And how long one need to do this for it to kind of uh, see the res- the results to kick in? Be it you mentioned about fasting. I presume a part of that can be intermittent fasting kind of stuff. Like when I say two meals a day, it means I'm eating my first meal after 18 hours of fast. It's a form of IF. I have seen results uh, as early as three weeks. And in terms of creating those habits, brushing with your left hand, doing activities in your left hand, uh, does it need to be done till it becomes kind of second nature or there's a certain time period around that? No. Uh, it's I'm trying because you asked the question using the word routine. Uh, I'm saying I want to make it as a routine where it routine is something that you do subconsciously. I want to make that uh, as of now, I've still not reached that stage, but I, I try and do that. Uh, does it benefit? Is there a way I can prove I don't have it? But because I, I, I did that course on train speed reading. And as I said, all behavior is belief driven because I believe in so I do. I had a friend who had a recently had a very major accident. And right-hand side of his head got impacted in that accident and he got paralysis on the left-hand side of his body. And now that he's getting better. So there is clear scientific evidence that your left side of the movement connects the right side of the brain and hence side. Well, this will be an interesting question. I'm sure you will kind of push back on me on this when I ask you this. Three advice to your older self. Is your biological self or is it your physical self? I let you to decide. But we are all so used to asking people what advice would you give to your younger self. I want to change that and say what advice would you want to give to your older self? One, of course, I am very clear. I want to lift weight till I die. Because muscle is an organ of longevity. So if I want to live longer but younger, healthier with all the agility, I want to play with my grand, uh, grandkids. And playing is not sitting in the chair and playing. I want to sit on the floor and play with them. Uh, I want to run a marathon for that. I will tell my older self, keep going to the gym uh, every single day. Second, I will tell my older self, when you are 85, start a new venture. The excitement of a new venture, the creativity that it requires, the risk that it is required. I would love to be, feel that when I am uh, when I'm 85 or 90, right? Uh, I will, I will. So essentially, I'm saying, uh, be creative when you are older, right? In, in in some form, and I think entrepreneurship is the best way of creativity. Third, I think I will I will tell my older self is to spend a lot of time uh, with my grandkids uh, because you know I read a very interesting study that the human lifespan for thousands of years was only thirty five forty, and the reason for that was nature built us in a way that after you know we reproduce because the resources were scarce, we died. So that we could live whatever resources were left for our kids, right? You know, the world moved ahead. They recognize that the child still needs the father or the grandfather from a wisdom standpoint. You know, we had a very beautiful quote in Rakesh Junjunwala's office where I used to work with him. And it says that experience comes from good judgment and judgment comes from bad experience, right? So in many ways, uh, longevity and wisdom are interrelated. Today, as a species, we live longer. Because we should give wisdom back. And to do that, I would want to believe, I will tell my older self, spend more quality time with your grand. Good going. You're kicking it out of the park. Let's continue. 
Uh, like you said, you are man wearing multiple hats. So I definitely would want to kind of get this from you. What are the three life lessons that you have learned in your journey so far? This is a relatively easier one, I would say. First is very simple. Yeah, uh, risk hai to ish hai. You know, I I have two daughters and I keep encouraging them to take risks in life, whether it is risk with career, whether it is risk with wealth. Uh, and I just feel if you've not taken enough risk in life, you've not lived enough. So yes, my first lesson is risk hai to ish hai. Second lesson is make lots and lots and lots of money. Because I have been very poor for a long period of time in my life and I know what poverty brings. I don't belong to that school of thought that says money is not important. I belong to the school of thought that money is very, 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 very important. And I keep telling this to my daughters. Make so much of wealth that sometimes when you now know, you don't know what to do with it, give it away. I don't have a problem. But if I have to choose between wealth and happiness, I will choose wealth any day. So. <laughs> I am very clear from that point of view, you know, from my perspective is that. And third lesson life has taught me is, you know, because I did not have a dad, I think my biggest guru or teacher has been mistakes. So and, and in many ways, I have, I have learned to look forward to mistakes. Every time when I have a, a good patch going in my life, I know that, you know, I will, I'm, I'm ripening myself to make a mistake because my ex-boss Rakesh Junjanwala used to say, that the worst of the mistakes are made in the best of the time. So every time I make a mistake, uh, I'm okay with it. My ex-boss Rakesh Junjimar also used to say, uh, make a mistake that you can afford, but never repeat a mistake. So mistake is my friend, I would say, or my guru. Right, I love that. Risk, risk hai to ishk hai. Uh, you're definitely um, making me uh, make this request to you that make money. Money is a good thing. So we definitely need to have that session back with you where you can help our listeners with some of those tips and tricks for them to make money so that their content, it's not about greed, it's about content. And at the same time, it's about life living well. And you did mention about uh, Rakesh Junjiwala a couple of times and not to forget uh, your fond working with Mr. Kishore Biani as well. Maybe three insights that you have picked working with both of these uh, individuals. So many to think of three. So let me reflect back. And if I have to tell people three things about Rakesh Bhaiya, which probably people who were not close to him did not know. One thing which I learned, before you become an investor, you need to be an optimist. I have not seen a bigger optimist in my life than Rakesh Bhaiya. He lived life kingside. Unfortunate that Bhaiya passed away because of some of his bad habits. But he was a very happy man. He was very optimistic. He loved India more than probably anybody else. He was so optimistic about India. And I have seen the more optimist you are, the more positive thoughts that you give. Your, your ability to contribute to the world and your family is so large. There is so much of positive radiance that you emit. My message to everybody, if, if one of the things that I have chosen to learn and implement from Bhaiya is to always be an optimist. Uh, you know, Even in the guise of uh, pessimism, try to look for hope. Uh, there is nothing more endearing than hope. Second thing, he put it differently, I put it differently. You enter Bhaiya's office and uh, Bhaiya was a big believer in God and there are a lot of idols of God put. And above that, Bhaiya had a prayer and that prayer said, by God's grace, an elder's blessing. Differently put, he was talking of a role of luck. 
what I have realized is we often, when things are good, we think we have done it. We just discard the role of luck. When it comes to us, it's us who have done things. When it comes to others, we have a 360 degree different view. He was lucky. No, no, no. Mukesh Ambani was lucky to have been born in Dhirubhai Ambani's family. So I'm saying the role of luck, I have come to appreciate more. I give a lot less credit to myself for a lot of good things that happen. And credit, luck, I think that was another thing that in my way I, I learned from Bhaiya. Third thing which a lot of people don't know is Bhaiya was a voracious reader. We had a team of eight uh, equity analysts. I was head of research. Rakesh Bhaiya individually read more than all eight of us put together every single day. You know, we have Nifty. There are 50 companies in Nifty. And Bhaiya used to be amongst the very, 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 very few people who could trade and invest. As a trader, top 50 Nifty companies, he knew their revenues, he knew their gross margin, he knew their EBITDA, he knew their profitability. Not just now, last five years, 10 years. He was a voracious reader. So these three things uh, are things maybe people don't know uh, about Rakesh Paya. So three things if I have to you know, look at uh, from, a, uh, from a Kishore Biyani uh, standpoint, I think Kishore Ji taught me, and I write this in my book also, to be a generalist more than a specialist. And his view, so I used to, every time we would converse and say something, I would always quote the stock market because I am a complete uh, addict or a, or a hopeless romantic when it comes to stock markets, right? I tell my wife, <laughs> I love stock markets more than I love her any day. Uh, and then she asked me, do you do, will you say the same uh, for your daughters? And I said, no, but but I just think I was so in love with stock markets. And when I joined Kishorji, I would always try and bring stock market. And he used to say, you economic times. He said, times of India. And I learned that from him. I had no interest in art. I had no interest in music. I had no interest in literature. I had no interest in philosophy. I had no interest in psychology. Today, I have a lot of interest and I read on all of them. So I think that's one thing I learned from him. In life, it is just enjoy that life of a generalist, not that of a specialist. Second thing I learned from him is to think big. And this is the biggest problem with Indians because of our colonial nature and because Britishers ruled over us for 200 years. Before that, uh, Mughals ruled over us for 400 years. Uh, it somewhere ties in with that risk hai to hai kind of a philosophy is that we Indians uh, have very low uh, self-confidence. We don't think big. And he used to tell us, always think, kuch nahi ho, bada soch, bada soch, bada soch. I tried to do that with my venture field miserably. That's a, <laughs> that's a completely different thing. And other thing I didn't learn from him, but I learned of him is death is death. The difference between future group and DMART, one is down to dust and other is today at almost 4 lakh crores of market cap, is debt took one down, another guy does not have debt on his book. So, uh, if you look at my personal balance sheet, I went bankrupt twice. But now I tell, I not only do I don't have any debt, I also tell my daughters that, uh, come what we don't borrow in. Great, great lessons out there. I, I kind of pushed you to kind of summarize that into three. I'm sure we can run multiple episodes just to kind of take your learnings from uh, these great individuals. Uh, we did touch upon this. I'm sure it would be a question that will be missed if I don't ask this. Is three book recommendations. 
ठीक है आई आई डोंट गिव गिफ्ट ऑफ स्वीट्स एंड आई गिफ्ट बुक टू पीपल टू माय फ्रेंड्स क्लोज फ्रेंड्स सो लेट मी टेल यू द थ्री बुक्स दैट आई हैव गिफ्टेड व्हिच आई एम वेरी वेरी हैप्पी एंड प्राउड ऑफ आई थिंक फर्स्ट एंड माय मोस्ट गिफ्टेड बुक इज अ बुक कॉल्ड द साइकोलॉजी ऑफ मनी बाय मॉर्गन हाउसेन and that that book has nothing to do with how to create wealth more to do with psychology of money uh, for those who are listening i would even encourage them to read morgan housel's blog which he posts on his website called collaborative fund he posted one i think three days back on role of expectation brilliant so psychology of money uh, is something second is james clear's book atomic habits and every time i read that book i learn something uh, something new uh, and i it's a must read for everybody and it's very interesting how he says that it's very difficult to get rid of bad habits but how it is very easy to inculcate new habits and most of us spend disproportionate time trying to get rid of bad habits then we should spend more time inculcating new habits right so uh, that's my second uh, and third is yaar i gifted it last diwali to everybody and i think it's a must read especially for indian population is a book called the the glucose revolution by jessica inchos it essentially how sugar kills so she explains the science and then she gives us 10 hacks which we can follow in our life uh, and you know a lot of people don't know india is the diabetic capital of the world but most people don't know that we have more pre diabetic people than we have diabetic people which means that in the next 5 years or 10 years diabetes will be the leading cause of death The only way to avoid type diabetes is to uh, kill sugar, and this book will help people a lot. And it's a very easy to read, beautiful. Checking along the last of the power of three questions, Prashant. Three practices to improve health. We have been talking a lot about health span, life span. You did uh, give some uh, light over it. If there are three things that one can look into from a overall health standpoint, what would those three things be? I think uh, I will begin with purpose. and the reason why i'm saying if you give your life a very very strong purpose to live you will do a lot of things right today if you tell yourself gk kya karenge why do i want to live longer you will eat wrong you will not exercise you will not sleep as i said all behavior is belief driven and your belief will come from a purpose so i am a very 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 big believer that from a health standpoint having a very strong purpose in life is extremely important and also what we spoke right that purpose is also very critical to emotional health a lot of people disregard emotional health in a big way but trust me if you are unhappy you are miserable and if you are miserable you will make people who are around you their life miserable so i am very clear purpose one two emotional health give priority to your emotional health trust me most of us are very very unhappy with our life we are very angry people if you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into why 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 you go seven levels deep why you will realize most of us attach our happiness to somebody else being happy i want my daughter to be happy if i see her happy i am happy hence i would want to believe along with purpose you know emotional health is extremely important being happy or doing things that gives you happiness let me put it different so every year i do an exercise called i list my top 
एक्टिविटी वैल्यू नॉट वैल्यू बट एक्टिविटी वैल्यू थिंग्स दैट आई विल डू ऑनेस्टी इज अ वैल्यू बट इट्स नॉट एन एक्टिविटी वैल्यू यू कैन डू ऑनेस्टी सो आई हैव माई टॉप फाइव थिंग आउटसाइड ऑफ दिस आई विल नॉट डू एनी और आई विल वेरी रेयरली डू वॉट इट डज इज इट ब्रिंग्स मी बैक टू थिंग्स दैट गिव मी हैपीनेस तो फॉर एग्जाम्पल स्पेंडिंग टाइम विथ माई डॉक्टर और रीडिंग और is 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 part of my activity value if anything comes closer to taking time out of this i will not so from health point of view i will say you know that emotional health is very very important i made a insta post on this long back and i i gave an analogy that uh, if you actually go into a into the cockpit of a plane do you know how many switches are there how many panels are there how many gears are there and if i make you the pilot one day will you be able to fly that plane right but luckily we have pilots they know everything but when it comes to our health we are our own pilots and the switches are more than what you have in the cockpit right but if you see that gear the landing gear and if somebody were to ask me today if there is one thing that i can do that can land my health plane safely i will say kill show don't eat sugar and let me repeat sugar is not sugar whenever i talk of sugar i say sugars sugars is plural sugar is not just table sugar sugar is honey sugar is good sugar is maple syrup sugar is ketchup sugar is fruit juice sugar is coke sugar is toast sugar is maida sugar is corn sugar is palm sugar sugar is coconut sugar they are all sugar i wear a continuous glucose monitor i monitor my sugar like a hawk because that is one thing that will accelerate every single disease is that is one single liver that will deteriorate head beyond repair so yeah purpose emotional health sugar wonderful prashant i think with a promise to all of listeners that will definitely get back prashant to do episode 2 of his other side which is basically an entrepreneur and author and all of these things but we are unfortunately coming to a close of this wonderful wonderful conversation prashant before we sign off if there is one message to all the listeners out there we had packed this whole conversation with lot of takeaways with lot of messages uh this show is all about creating ripples of inspiration what would be prashant inspire someone today message to all the listeners i would say uh, to everybody who is listening uh, you know live 100 plus longer younger healthier and disease free it's possible and it's possible and we have shared some tools to go about doing that on that note prashant thank you so much for sharing this wonderful insights of life span and health span Thank you for listening into today's edition of Inspire Someone today. It's been a privilege to bring in these conversations. If you like this episode and have any feedback or comments, do mail me at inspire someone today podcast at the rate gmail.com. Inspiring someone is like creating ripples around us. If you like what to listen, feel free to share them and let's create ripples of inspiration. Do not forget to follow me on my Instagram handle at the rate inspire someone today podcast for all the latest updates this is shrikant your host signing off and until next time
Keep inspiring. 